Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. July 24th, 2018, a Facebook post to my friends and family titled Adoption Update. Flashback. March 5th, 2009, I had a C-section scheduled for the next morning and all I could think about was not being able to rely on the only thing that anyone said I could rely on, which was the indescribable rush of love that I would inevitably feel for my baby. I sat in bed, staring at the dog, resting her chin on my 10-month pregnant belly, and I considered the breach, what if I didn't love my baby? The feelings of guilt made me choke. Did other mothers consider this? The next morning at 9.36, I gazed at my nursing sack of neurons covered in slime, froggy-legged with what looked like male pattern baldness, and I plunged, purely and like a fool, headlong in love. Headlong in love with Silas. Silas Justin. At a shower when I was pregnant with Silas, my friends and my family gave me a bead to wear on a necklace during labor with him. I religiously wore the necklace during each delivery after, and I would thumb the beads and remember the people and wait for contractions to pass. And then I admired the necklace and the pictures as people would ask why in the world I wore jewelry to my delivery. I answered them matter-of-factly that those beads were my prayers. And like Silas, every baby after him was on the receiving end of my starry eyes, headlong in love. Taking the necklace to China with me to go get our adopted son, Emmanuel, it felt like the right thing to do, but I couldn't find the necklace. After three moves, it was knotted and trapped in some forgotten drawer. I don't post a lot about what it's like now that Emmanuel is home. It's a post that's been under construction. Adoption seems easy. There's a baby who needs a home, and there's a family that's willing to provide it, so what else? And in a lot of ways, it is easy. Emmanuel eats well, and he sleeps late, and he laughs at all my jokes. He's calm and gentle. He can entertain himself, and he happily goes with the flow. His siblings fight over who gets to wake him up, who's going to feed him, and who will carry him to the car. He wasn't walking when he got here, but now he is. Knees up and out to the sides, sway back, touchdown arms, marching, 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 flat-footed thuds. He's so proud of himself. He looks around to see who's watching him strut. He sings along with made-up words in church. We've never left the building one time without someone telling us how beautiful he is. Not one time. And I could post all of that. I could post the kisses, I could document the hugs, and every single bit of it would be true. This, the sentence that famously keeps us honest. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And it's thorough, isn't it? The many kinds of lies it covers. Because people get on here on Facebook and they lie every day. If not in one way, then certainly another. We tiptoed our way into adoption, and even considering the length of time that it took us, I still knew I was naive, but knowing that I was naive made me feel like I wasn't naive. And as much time as I spent considering Emmanuel's attachment to me, I never truly considered my attachment to him. His inclusion to our home and to our family, it was so absolute. And once he was home, I felt like I needed to pretend that he had always been home. And I've never been very good at pretending. One night, sitting on the bleachers at a baseball game, someone asked me while lovingly stroking his toes, can you even imagine life without him? And I thought, I can even. To be honest, it has felt a little like babysitting. Except his parents are never, ever coming back. Ever. So I've done what I know to do. I've done what was right. I've showed him nurture. Affection, even. 
I've been fair about how he should be treated, but to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, I don't know that I love Emmanuel. And saying that makes me feel like a monster. Three months in, over a casual lunch with Seth, we sneaked out of his workday. I cried hot tears, confessing this. Seth nonchalantly popped a shrimp in his mouth and shrugged and said, Allison, you carried our babies for 40 weeks. You nursed them for one year. You had a boatload of hormones helping you out. This isn't the plunge into love that you're used to. Big deal. You don't think falling in love, growing in love can be beautiful too? You fell in love with me. I think we're pretty beautiful. Adoption, and it's a marrow-hazed filter. It tugs everyone's heartstrings because it's a good story. But the fanciful, utopian spin, it hasn't been my story. Instead, Emmanuel is somebody fully formed with his own set of experiences and traumas who we're getting to know. No plunging like a fool, but instead a steady follow down a road we don't know but trust will be beautiful. I serve out of my poverty, trusting God will show up and hope that he looks on what I'm giving as affectionately as he did those widow's mites, because it certainly doesn't feel like much. I haven't been posting much because I didn't want to lie by not telling the whole truth, and I had no idea how to talk about the whole truth. I still don't. But I also haven't been posting because I've been ashamed of my lack. And for whatever reason, today I'm not. Maybe it's because I found my necklace yesterday in that forgotten drawer. Maybe it's because Emmanuel has been home exactly 40 weeks, a perfect gestation. Maybe it's because today he signed and said mama for the first time to get my attention for another pancake. Today, feeling the slow pace of a corner being turned, I can embrace my lack and I can so much more honestly say, well, I need chow chow. From the book of Proverbs, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. This is my friend Krista. We've been friends for about six months. Krista lives her life with open hands and an open heart. She is delightfully honest and inspirationally humble in friendship, and she absolutely refreshes my soul. <laughs> Hi, Krista. Hi, Alison. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad I'm here. This is one of my favorite spaces. By the way, you should know this. I don't sit here with any other friend. Are you serious right I know, now? just you. Isn't that, don't you think there's something um, about the feminine heart that wants to be the only one? Yes. Don't you think that there's like oh, you that? you nailed it. <laughs> yes. I'm a, yes. You were the, that's your chair. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so thankful. I'm going to be here every day. Every day I'm coming. I'll have champagne every day. So, <laughs> a little tradition that started, I wonder why, I don't know, but you and I, we drink champagne together. Yeah, we do. We it's do. A, it's a good choice. It is. <laughs> We day drink and it's lovely. Okay. Um, you are my dear friend. And I mean, honestly, how long have we known each other? I think it might be weeks. A hot minute. A hot minute. I know. It's yeah. just a couple of months. Yeah. But oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't even know. Okay. Oh, I do know. We have, the Lord has given us some meat to chew through mm-hmm. in, in our early mm-hmm. friendship. That's good. That um, That allowed us to be... You kind of forced it, which, gosh, you were like, hey, because I had kind of given you a comfortable no about, I mean, we won't get into the details, but I had kind of given you a comfortable no, and I was like acting out, you know, my 40s. It was like I had kind of made a resolution that I'm just not going to strive or force myself to do things, and I had an invitation. I gave a comfortable no, and you opened it up um, to intimacy, really, to be like, hey, I'm trying to to learn and be better and do better and moving on, it would be an honor to me if you would explain that. Mm. And me, as someone who desperately longs to be understood, mm. and that can get me into some weird um, conversations because no, I'm I like, you know, I'm like chasing after people. No. But no, let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. Yes. But I had made a resolution that I'm not going to do that this time. Yeah. And then you asked me for it, and I'm like, well, since you asked. <laughs> And so we were able to meet each other really deeply and it started with your humility and I cannot get enough 
of the way God loves through you. It is so whole. It is so honest and true and humble. And I just can imagine that that's exactly what people felt sitting across from Jesus. Just this very sincere way to meet people. And I just adore you. And I adored you early and hard and fast. And I'm in it to win it with you, Krista. I love it. it. You are so special. Thank you for letting me be in your space. And thank you for like, I just want to second what you said. I totally agree. I feel like we, we had the opportunity to be tested Mm -hmm. and to prove almost. And sometimes I don't like tests, but and even sure. in, the, in the testing, it's hard. But I love, love, love that about our story. Yes. I love it. Yes. And I I expect that when that happens in a friendship, that there is good purpose for moving through it. Yeah. For the later. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We can look back and be like, okay, we hurdled that. Yeah, that was nothing. Okay, we hurdled yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so right. it, it kind of gives you promise for longevity of yeah. like, we've done hard things. Yeah. I just wish I hadn't given you a black eye. I'm just kidding. <laughs> High drama over here. Oh my gosh, it didn't happen. It didn't. <laughs> okay, so this is an episode about adoption. And, you know, there's so many different... I mean, adoption is huge, right? Like, there's so many aspects that, that you know, we could do a single episode on just, like, one aspect of adoption. Yeah. There's so many different reasons people adopt. It might be um, infertility. It might be choosing to help a, a birth mother in your family or someone you know. Um, it might be just following a call to help one of the hundreds of thousands of children living without permanent families. And then once you do decide to make that decision for your family, there are so many different ways that it can look. Maybe you're adopting internationally. Maybe it's domestically. Maybe you are adopting within your race or outside mm-hmm. of it. Maybe you're meeting a birth mother at the hospital or maybe you're welcoming teenagers. Um, maybe you're adopting a sibling group. Like I said, I think that each one of those subsets could kind of be its own episode. But I wanted to have you on. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Your adoption story is so different than mine. Yeah. And um, and I love that. Um, So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey into adoption? Yeah. What what does your family look like right now? Yeah. So um, I have to say this. It started, there was something that started right when I started to get to know Jesus. Mm. Like, really, right then. And when I say that, what I mean is I would, like, I never played dolls just outright. It was always, like, I'm lining them up and I'm caring for, like, a horde of baby dolls, you know? And um, so there was always a number outside of myself. And there was, even as a child, I knew I was taking care of someone else's baby. Mm. So I I don't even know what to do with that, really, except that I know that it's a popular concept to say that you're born with an adoption gene. Hmm. Um, I don't I think that it's a little more complicated than that, but um, also just as simple. So right now, fast forward to a few years, you know, just a couple (laughs) of decades maybe, and then a couple more, and we now have four adopted children and three biological children, um, and... And we just, well, and then there's the the unofficial adoptees that are just living with us. Um, But we've been called the village house, and it does look like a village. We have a lot of different mothers and fathers represented in our house. Mm. And um, so that is actually kind of one thing that we can all come under and just say, like, Mm. you have a different mother and father, and yet we have the same father. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think our, our kids range in age from 24 with a baby, so... I am a 43-year-old grandma and did not expect that. And everybody wants to know what he calls me. I say nothing because he doesn't talk. I don't have a grandma name yet. So I'm not, I'm not there yet. But um, from 24 all the way down to 9. Um, so we have just a wide range of, of things happening. You know, yeah. we've got a couple of teenagers. And so it's not boring. No. No, it's Thank not. Goodness, it's there's not no boring. doubt about that. You know, there's this practical part of adoption, which is that 400 thousand children in our country are without permanent families and you know so you have this this human right that every kid should be nurtured in their formative years by a permanent family you know there's that practical reason for adoption and then there's that emotional part of it which is a devastate you know you feel devastated in response to that to that practical part so there's that emotion but then there's the spiritual part of just 
living out the gospel he proclaimed. I mean, it's one thing to say that Jesus is Lord. Right. And it's quite another to live out this gospel right. he proclaimed. And I'm not saying that you're not living out the gospel if you're not an, totally. a, an adoptive totally. parent. There are yeah. so many ways yeah, to serve so the orphan yeah. um, and to care for the orphan and the widow. Um, but how did those things, the practical parts, the emotional parts, the spiritual parts, how did they come together to include your yes? Yeah, my husband's name is Brian. And on our first official date, we'd known each other for a couple of years and had a like pretty decent and solid friendship, honestly. We didn't like hang out, but it was a comfortable relationship um, made first in friendship. And then something just changed. And I saw him uh, one day at church and I was kind of the forward one and <laughs> decided to go ahead and step into, he said, well, he said, you know, we really should grab a meal sometime and I was like okay how about today yeah. and so that kind of like girls gotta eat right and which I proceeded to go to Finnegan's and eat a Monte Cristo <laughs> yes. like not of sugar like I remember I distinctly remember laughing at one point and like blowing the powdered <laughs> sugar on the Monte Cristo like over to him and I was like wow this is just I, but I want to say Monte he might have had Christo. wings so what he might have had wings so we were so both it, just right. all in it yeah. you know yeah no um, one's really putting their best foot forward with right. Monte Cristo and wings right it was just like let's just be all awkward yeah um, and so um, but our second date was a little bit more I pulled myself together a little bit more <laughs> and um, got ribs right <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so good. I wish I had. No, we went to Gaddy Town. It was much more dignified. Oh, wow. Than this is great. I love life. Yeah, I don't even I know. I love people. How are you thinking? We have a like photo booth pictures from that day. Anyway, um, the next thing we did is we went to Barnes & Noble, and we got a coffee, and we sat down in between the aisles because books are always a good idea, right? Yeah. And we pulled a book called If, and it's the book of questions. And we started talking through What a great day. Oh, it was easy because it was like, okay, we don't have to think, you know. And so one of the questions was, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And he sat there and told me, which I already knew I wanted to adopt. Foster care never entered my mind at this point. But when we sat there and talked, he revealed to me that he felt called to foster care and I was sitting across from this 20 young 20 year old man going what you care about this you what you're thinking about children um and now it makes sense because he's you know he's been in education yeah you know for a long time now yeah. um as soon as he got out of school he went straight for that but all that to say we were on the same page practically from the beginning and knew that um we would always grow our family through adoption. We mm -hmm. always had that dream and that goal, and it was not a if, it was a when. Yeah. And honestly, did not plan to have biological children as early as we did. Yeah. It just happened. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I mean, I could very easily have envisioned a world where I did not have bio biological children. I'm wow. certainly glad that the Lord gave us that opportunity to parent that way. Um, but all in all... Um, yeah, I think we were always on the same page. Wow. From the second and date on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the yeses were it was just a it was just a yes. And I, I really do believe the Lord um what he put in me was a, a way to respond to something he had already done. And the thing that I mm. love the most about um what truly truly the most about being an adoptive mom is that it has spoken to me and preached to me on every level of what it looks like to be adopted into the family of God. Absolutely. On every level. It's such a picture of the it gospel. It is. Yeah. In, in a way that, you know, always parenting and um, the sacrifice that comes with that. But the Lord looked at me and he goes, oh, you need a little bit of extra work. <laughs> You're not getting it. <laughs> you so. need to understand this better. <laughs> that is not the case for every adoptive parent. But, um, but I just... I really believe that in that place of like, I receive you as my child yeah. before you're perfect. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, in my receiving you, I'm acknowledging that I have made you holy yeah. by the blood of my son. And, and so just knowing that when I look at my adoptive children, mm -hmm. I say, I have already accepted you. Mm -hmm. Like there is no abandonment here in mm -hmm. this family. There is no walking away. There is no fatherlessness anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that our yes was out of an implication 
that we were already adopted. We, um, and that, you know, that piece about, and it's a scripture, and I can't remember the address, but about spending time with widows and orphans in their distress. Sure, James. Um, yes, is it 127? Oh, there mm-hmm. it is. Now it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in that place, you know, um, our yes came out of, practically speaking, yeah. um, out of beginning with just that place. Sure. And the hard statistics. Totally. I mean, and this is what the hard statistics, knowing that and knowing that there was a need. So we just stepped into a place of this is what we can do today. And it wasn't adoption. Sure. It wasn't, especially with our teenagers. It was, it was definitely like, you can come over for Thanksgiving dinner Mm -hmm. because there ain't no way I'm adopting a sibling group of, you know, almost teenagers. Yeah. Um, and so our yes started small with yeah. what we could do that day. Right. And I think that that is the best place for everyone to start. Yeah. Okay. I, I have so many things to say. First of all, yes, adoption is such a clear picture of the gospel because it's really hard to ignore my spiritual orphan self and see so what God did for me and then not feel compelled to respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to respond. And that, that answer is going to look different for everyone. But how, how are you responding to the love that he gave first? And of course, we know that there's life after death. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I felt like I had this kind of beautiful hazy, a marrow filtered picture of adoption, you know, it's like we get kind of sung this beautiful song about what, what adoption looks like. And the truth is that there was so much pain. I mean, adoption is no one's ideal and there is so much pain involved, but what adoption is, is this, it's, it's an absorption of pain, you know? And so it's like, I am agreeing to absorb your pain Mm -hmm. and I might be on my bathroom floor crying because of it, but hopefully it's so that you don't have to be, I am absorbing your pain. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. And so I feel I like you, I feel like my faith has been, you know, just thickened by that um, reality that I am not just knowing with my head or reading with my Mm -hmm. eyes, but I am living out with my burdened heart. And, and, you know, it. Because it, it, it is, it's a sacrifice. It is. And, it, you know, sacrificing for the good of another, is it worth it? Right. Always. Always. And by the way, maybe not even in this life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it sure is worth it there. Yeah. And I want to show up spent. That was like a, so a reality or a, that was a vision that God gave me. So I'm a terrible runner. And when I'm running, I'm like fighting to breathe. Like people, yes. my friends are like, no. oh, it's such a great prayer time yeah, for me. No. And I'm like, congratulations, because <laughs> I'm picking which house I want to die in front of. Yes. So anyways, I was running, but I did have a vision. So maybe this is what they mean. And I should lay off of them <laughs> and, and be nicer. But um, I had this vision of showing up to heaven spent, mm-hmm. like covered in mud, crawling to meet him spent because I laid it all out you know I don't want to stroll into heaven clean as a whistle you know not breathless so how do you want to meet your maker do you want to meet him knowing that every gift he gave you was was poured out for his purpose um I have a question for you but I feel like when I meet adoptive or when I meet other women um just the nature of our nurturing hearts. So many women's hearts are inclined this way um, to want to care for. And it's their husbands that they're having to kind of um, convince. What's your advice around that? And maybe you haven't had to think too hard about this because (laughs) you learned early on that your husband's heart was so geared this way. But do you have advice for women whose husbands aren't Mm -hmm. in step? Um. Well, I think this is the easy thing to say, okay? (laughs) This is the easy thing to say. What we are called to is not necessarily giving a child our last name Mm -hmm. or having them permanently in our home or it's just not necessarily that story for everyone. And so I think if we could all ideally step into a place of saying, I will do, again, do what I can. Yeah today and um operate out of that place instead of having like the end goal in the mind right like just walking with the lord through from where you are yes through the story that's great um the other pieces is like your husband is your first Mm. like really and truly it is our joy to say you first yeah um because 
at the end of the day, all those kids, whether they're adopted or not, (laughs) most often they leave you. And again, you're left with that person. And that is your first yes. Yeah. So, um, and just, I think for, I actually, here's the deal. I was the one that was resistant to adopting older kids. Mm -hmm. It was me. It wasn't him. It was me. And he just very patiently and steadily loved them from a place of, of um, not com- not comfortableness, but of like manageable, manageable, right? Yeah. And he stretched me gently yeah. to do that, oh. and so as I got more limber and because you can do Thanksgiving, to grow, totally, I could yeah. do Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's like these benchmarks. <laughs> right. I, I, so somewhere in me, I said I can do this, which was absolutely yeah. insane. But whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the idea of. Um, there's this movie, I talk about this all the time because it's totally stuck with me, but there's a movie, it's called We Bought a Zoo. It's Matt Damon. So good, right? Oh, so good. I but get he, to in Yes, right, me too. Yes, me too. Um, but there's this moment where his son is confiding in him about a heartbreak and I, it's girl related and he's confiding in him, in him about a heartbreak and they had been kind of butting heads for a while and finally they just sat side by side you know, kind of looking at something else, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it was just one of those moments yeah. where like, I'm going to take it because my teenager's talking. And so they're just sitting next to each other and he, and he confides in him and he tells him what's been, you know, just troubling his heart. And, um, and his dad said, Matt Damon says, it's 20 seconds of bravery. It's yeah. just 20 seconds of That's bravery. Right. And it was, um, like I mentioned, it was a romantic interest. And so, and so he applied that idea, 20 seconds of bravery to just say the thing. Or make the phone call. Do the yeah. next. What's the next the right next thing? Step. Because yeah. you're right. If you're looking about, how are we going to put seven kids through college? How are we going to? Okay. <laughs> oh, wait, I thought that. Dang it. Surprise. Um, but no, it's like, what's the next right thing? I can do this, and then I can do this, and then I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I also think, I'm, I feel like what you said is a bold thing. I feel like what my answer would have been in, no, I want to hear it. in like a fake podcast that I'm not on is <laughs> saying, pray for him, pray for him. Yeah. Because if the Lord has called you to it, then yeah. he's called you, he's called him right, too. Right. Or if the Lord has not called you yeah. to, you know, and yeah. so, so pray for him. But I love what you said. I feel like it's a, it's a bold thing to say that, um, you might have to follow here. Yeah. Like he is your, he is your first. Person, yes. Yeah. He is your person. Yeah. And I know so many, whether it's a wife, um, a mom wanting another kid mm-hmm. and the husband being resistant to that. Right. I feel like it's really annoying when I say, here's the thing, but here's the thing <laughs> you are going to, you are going to be in so many difficult situations in adoption. You are both going to be looking at each other in the middle of the night with no clue what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And if there is in the back of both of y'all's minds, mm-hmm. he didn't want this. I didn't really want this. Right. I feel like that is a recipe for disaster within your marriage. It is. And it you is. are going to be called to do hard things. And it is only in knowing that we both wholeheartedly felt called and pushed and signed on to the, yeah. it, 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 the yes. Lord nudges us gently. Absolutely. But the, we both said yes mm-hmm. to this and so yeah absolutely I think that that's and I do think, really you know, good advice I think that if this is the place where you begin to pray for your spouse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean great that's a great starting point yeah um hopefully that's something you're already doing which puts you in a right posture before the Lord to receive an appointment right with adoption right 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 anyway yes because right? what you're saying about the bathroom floor in the middle of the night is a, is a thing yeah yeah um, okay, so speaking of bathroom floors, I feel like a lot of my spiritual like <laughs> revelations have come on my bathroom floor. <laughs> um, so, what have been some challenges of? I have. I, there's two parts to this question, uh-huh. but just regarding challenge, what have been challenges of older kids? So, older kids. Well, first of all, we had. I believe our firstborn child was. I think he was 10. So it was in 2001. Yeah, he was 10 when we adopted the older kids and or when that process started. Um, and so we were 10-year-old parents. Right. You know where I'm going with this. Yes. And when you have a 15-year-old, the gap between 10 years old and 15 <laughs> years old 
is the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I'm not there yet. But so I can imagine. It is. There's a big leap that happens, which is God, you know, by grace, we can. Yeah. We move the other side to us, and he lets us step across. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. By grace and by faith. But um, that was the biggest challenge, was like having to fill in um, and trust for that five years to be compensated for in some way. And I'm not saying we actually did. Mm. Bless Desmond's heart. Mm. I mean, he truly, mm. I can't even imagine what it was like for him yeah. to, first of all, and I, I mean, this is has to be part of our story. They're children of color. Mm-hmm. They're biracial. And we are white. Um, dot, dot, dot. You know, it, it's just that that has I have to talk about that when I talk of about course. why my that was my second question older kids I want to so. know the challenges of older kids I want to know the challenges <laughs> yes. of abducting outside of your Good. race yes yeah. and so we did that from the beginning um, but with our boys came just a really like honestly came a disintegration of our relationship because I didn't know how to be a white mom to black children sure and um Thankfully, the Lord doesn't leave us alone. Like, he just keeps working on us. And I'm so thankful because what I see now is so such a bigger picture of grace than I ever thought. I, I thought we would get along fine. Yeah. I didn't know that I would learn to love my children in a whole new way yeah. based on knowing, like, their heritage. Yeah. And so, but hard. So hard. Um, I remember the day that the Lord, like, he said, okay, this is the day. I, you know he has it planned out for us, right? He's like, okay, it's the day. This is the day she's <laughs> going to learn some this big lesson day, Krista. You know, like, make sure you show up for school today. Because um, we, it was after one of the tragedies in our nation um, regarding race. Mm-hmm. Um, and just one of the, like, huge heartbreaks mm-hmm. that we've all had to sit and watch. Um, and that we've all had to contend with and reckon with. And we were driving through Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and it was a day of honoring a police officer that had been shot and killed. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a huge motorcade. And there wasn't a whole lot of words exchanged in this situation. It was more like like the, the spirit of God and the spirit of adoption began to move and work in us and reveal to us that there are some things that are like there is an intimacy I have for you as parent and child that you like it's going to be hard to get there but I'm going to walk you through it Mm. and so I looked over at my son who was I guess it was Dominique was oh I think he was right at 15 or 16 at the time and I, I look at him and I think what for the first time how is he really processing this right. not how do i tell him as his mother to process this yeah what's his but experience? what is he actually thinking yeah and the fear that i was gripped with was and i did i was like gripped i remember my heart just feeling like like my throat was like closed mm. that i had no idea mm. and it was the worst feeling like i can't reach my child in this place i can't enter peace. into that yeah i don't i have no tools and and part of it is you know, fragility and blindness. And part of it is like just ignorance. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so from that point forward, the Lord began walking me into a place of, well, the only way I can describe it is my heart was grafted. Like there was a grafting that happened at that point. And that's, that's, I've heard adoption referred to that way as a grafting Mm -hmm. before that, Mm -hmm. um, because there's maybe not a biological component as would be with a child that you birth. Sure. Um, but the Lord does something. It talks about all in Scripture, like when the the shoot of the, the branch and, you know. Um, but there's many illustrations about it is my point. I think that at that point, and hey, listen, grafting involves cutting. Like there has to be a cutting. Yeah. And so wow. this was my cutting. This and so good. then when... The Lord did this work because he does that work. All life comes from him. So if any life is to transfer, it is also done through him. And so as my heart was, my my sons of color and my daughter of color were grafted into my heart, my heart changed. And it suddenly, like there was an awareness on a really gut level sure. of what 
um, what my children were experiencing so that I could minister to them and help them process it in a way that I couldn't if I hadn't gone there. But let me tell you, it was one of the hardest things that has ever happened to me as a human. It brought me face to face with my frailty, with my um, pride, with with um, my construct of humanity and how we're supposed to love one another, my um, understanding of what it means to even be adopted as as a child of God, as an adoptive mom. And so basically, I was shook. Yeah. <laughs> I was shook. <laughs> All kinds. In, 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 in very advanced spiritual terms, <laughs> I was shooketh. <laughs> I got shooketh. Shooken. Yes. Yeah. So I think the hardest and sweetest, because that's how things go with the Lord. Right? It is, because uh, His presence is so real in the hardest. It's amazing. In our whiteness, mm-hmm. you and I get to choose yeah. <laughs> whether to step into the reality of racism or not. Yes. We get to choose yes. whether we want to engage that or not. And your sons do not, and now you have been maybe dragged even into this story of a different kind of heartbreak than you didn't know before. Yeah. That is really yeah. powerful. Yeah. Wow. Um, what are some glories? If those are challenges, what are some glories? Um, you know how they say that in heaven you will see colors you've never seen before. I don't even know if that's biblical or not. <laughs> I think so. Let's just call it. Yeah. Um, I like really gold streets do. and I stuff. Really I mean, I've read this stuff, but um, <laughs> I really have. But I, I love that concept because I. It's easy for me to believe based on all. Like even as I stare out your window right mm. now, just mm. the beauty in your backyard mm. of all the greens that I see. So it's mm. easy for me to believe there's colors I haven't seen yet. Yeah. And, um, You're acknowledging I, that you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, and looking forward to knowing it. And I think mm-hmm. that for me, the knowing of the heritage and not all, not all of who we are is held in our heritage, right? Yeah. Because like Dominique is Dominique, Kiwan is Kiwan, Eliana is Eliana, Desmond is Desmond. But in that, like, I had no idea how rich... Hmm. No idea how rich my life could be. I had no, when I was, you know, as growing up, kind of regarding people of other races from a distance, other ethnicities from a distance, um, and even admiring, hmm. but to get to be part of it, hmm. to be like, I, like, I am, I have said in the spirit, I'm your mother. And to intertwine yourself and wrap yourself in and around your children like that and get to see the colors that they're seeing that I would never have seen if it weren't for them. And I'm not Mm. talking about skin color. I'm talking about like the richness of how, like how it's different, but it's all good. And, and being able to like give myself grace. That's one of the things that my kids taught me and, um, being with, with um, different people groups has shown me like there's so much grace here and there's so much um, it's a transcendent thing that we can be with other yeah and even screw up a little yeah. bit yeah. and still be valued and accepted <sighs> and I walked through plenty of that too so I think just the rich rich richness yeah. of being able to say like my life isn't just white I mean, which is great. It's great to be a white person. It's great, you know? Um, Yeah. But I think that um, I would have missed out severely if I hadn't gotten to experience. What you're saying reminds me of something completely unrelated, but it spoke to my heart. So I was nervous. I was in my young 20s, and I had an opportunity. I was in a going nowhere relationship, Mm -hmm. and I had an opportunity. I was. It was just a lonely time for me. And I had an opportunity to move overseas, and it was to move to Japan, of all places. Like, I did not... I did not see that in my future. Right. I didn't have any like grand aspirations to move to Japan one day. Yeah. But that those were the orders that I would I was sent. I was hoping for Europe, of course, but my <laughs> orders were to Japan, and I could either accept or deny them. Right. But um and I was nervous. I didn't I didn't know anybody. Um and I so I said yes is the point because I wasn't doing anything else. Yeah. And I said yes. And I was talking it was for a teaching position on a military base and I was talking to the principal and I and she was 
she was easy to um, just to share my real time experience yeah. with. She was she was an easy safe place for that for whatever reason. So we cool, we connected right? over the phone. So cool. Yeah. And um and I said I guess I'm just nervous about mm-hmm. leaving everything behind because on paper I have I have a good life. Mm-hmm. I have a good life. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Allison, your world is growing." So and good. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. It wasn't an abandonment of That's who right. I was and what I knew. Right. It was an addition. It was it was extra yes. and so it was this different way to enter in and by the way I mean I look back at that time and I'm so grateful I made the friends of a lifetime I was able to travel to places I will never get back to yeah. um, I met my husband <laughs> sure. I mean really great souvenir um, but I I can apply that to what you're saying yes. of your world can be so big yeah. If you just let the Holy Spirit lead you around by the wrist, you know, I mean, I think we get in front of the Holy Spirit so often. And, you know, I have one thing that I've talked about while giving talks is the idea of um, living over, under, or for God and and really to live with God. There's um, a really special intimacy there. But I think our tendency as Americans especially can be to live over God and then just conform him to our story instead of conforming ourselves Mm -hmm. to his greater story Mm -hmm. and the richness that he has for us. If we could just kind of sit still, listen and obey. That's so good. Um, So why aren't more people adopting? What do you think's going on there? So I think that if I didn't address the presupposition that other was not going to be as manageable or good than same. Mm. Um, Whoa. Like, stop. Stop right there. Other is not going to be as, the, manageable, as manageable or good, or good as okay. same. Other is not going to be as manageable or good as same. Go so, on. I think I have to say that. I don't, I don't like to acknowledge that as a human, you know, I don't, like, I want to say that we are, we're giving, we are, you know, don't we wish we were just all completely innately good and not that because you adopt, it makes you good. It's just, are we fearless? Are we, are we, is our faith um, in that place that says, you know what, no matter what comes, the Lord is the one who carries us. He is with us, as you said before. Um, but I do believe there is there's a fear, and I think that the thing that you give up first, and when you start stepping into adoption, the world of adoption is control. For sure. I think it's just because you can't, you don't control. Where did this child from come from? I don't know. I mean, I can tell you like where they were born because it says here on my you know the dossier, but like I don't know what it where they come from. I don't I don't fully well. I don't know anything about my adopted daughter's genetic makeup. Nothing, nothing other than what we can see and assume. And so I think that that's, it's hard. And, and the truth of the matter is, is, you know, we don't, we don't want to pick up something that crushes us. There is the, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, where it talks about the difference. There's a difference between carrying your load and the burden. Okay. And the burden, um, I probably need to figure out where this is. Again, me and my addresses. But the reference <laughs> My is brain doesn't to, work that way either. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I know what it says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reference is to, like, friends carrying a burden of a friend in in that sense the word means it's like huge it's like bigger than anyone can do on their own Mm -hmm. and so the lord says yeah you carry this together um and then a little bit later it talks about a load like your daily work or maybe it's earlier i don't know but it talks about your daily work and that word is like a load it's the load you carry and you're equipped to do that easily like Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it may not make it always feel easy, but you are equipped to do but it. You, yes, he will equip so, you. So um, somewhere in there, in in our spiritual, our callings, our makeup, whatever you want to label it, there is, like, adoption has to fall somewhere in there for you. And for me, um, I think that what I get to say on this end is, thank goodness I was blind enough to say yes by faith. I mm-hmm. mean, for me. And... 
I, I don't by no stretch is nowhere in my mind or heart do I look at across you know our town our community and say like oh all of y'all should be taking it again right I mean like right and literally and it's not because oh it's so hard and I'm doing it and yeah. you probably can't it's not that at all yeah. it's like it legitimately you have resources that I don't have right you know? right there's different resources so a dear friend whose heart is broken for the orphan has very significant health issues like it's yes. just not I mean there are so many things yes. that go into that right. this is not a calling for you that's and right. that's okay that's right you can love your neighbor who did it's yes. fine there are yes. so many ways to enter into this problem yes yeah. and for those of us who like our little our lane is to bring a kid into our home like I full well believe that the people who have given us respite over the years and who have come in to carry that load when it was not right. a load, it was a burden. Yeah. It was a boulder on our backs that yeah. was crushing us and yeah. we were making no progress yeah. in faith, no progress as humans, no progress in loving our children. Those people are to me are far more yeah. um man, giving and sacrificial yeah. because they just didn't have to. You know I kinda have to now. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. We have a um a sweet family who is diligent with giving us um, their kids hand me downs. Their kids mm-hmm. um, play really competitive sports, and so they give us the yes. nice cleats and the nice everything. And I that makes a difference. Yeah, that matters to us. It does. Thank you. Yes. And now, do they feel like they're caring for the orphan? They're probably not taking any credit for caring for the orphan at all. Right. But you have served my family in a yes. really tangible way, and I am appreciative. You yes. have lightened my load. Yes. And doesn't that go back to like, this is not a checklist. Yes, it, it, that's that is a spirit of religion. Spirit yeah. of adoption is what we have, mm, and that is like we're accepting one another. We're accepting one another's help. We're accepting the children of another. We're reaching across cultural lines and and ethnic lines and um and whatever that moment offers us to yeah. say yes to. Yeah. Um. But the spirit of legalism is the one that says you have to check the box by, I am an adoptive parent. That's right. That's so. right. Um, okay. So, but going back to, um, you were talking about the difference yeah. between that load that uh-huh. I need other, someone else for, yeah. and then that load that I've, yeah. that yeah. he is equipping yeah. me yeah. for. I feel like we choose battles that we know we can easily manage. Ooh, yeah. I know mm-hmm. that... If I say yes to this, I'm going to be able to do it, and I'm going to be able to do it well. Right. And it's not very often that we say, Lord, I need you desperately right. for this. The other day, I was flip-flopping in bed because of something that's on my mind and heart, and I kept saying over and over, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I felt God whisper, I can't. If we, if we have a stirring in our heart, if we feel led, if we are sitting in silence and feel called to something difficult, yeah. he is going to he meet is. us. He is, we are desperately needy yes. and that's okay. But yes. we want to spit the word needy out of our mouths. Yeah. <laughs> and by yeah. the way, like hands up. I mean, first, <laughs> I am first at the, Same. I'm at the front of the line wanting to, wanting to spit needy out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, but you know, as far as why more people don't do it, I, this is fresh for me. Mm-hmm. It is a snarled process, okay? It is. It is. <laughs> it is a daunting climb. It is not easy. It and is. I feel like there has got to be a way to make this process easier yes. while still protecting children. Yes. Like, come on. Yes. So yeah. I don't have any answers for that. I just yeah. want to complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's real. I oh, mean, my gosh. It's so hard. It's, it's expensive. Yeah. And I think that this is, in some ways, I think that it is a piece of what kind of that is just a thing so it's like i'm not the one saying no to it it's this provision is not there exactly yes one way or another um the spirit of adoption is what we're stretching towards right and and the spirit of adoption does not it it's it actually doesn't discriminate (laughs) it actually comes and and if you let it it enters every piece of your life I believe this is a comfort and a promise that the spirit of adoption like infiltrates our lives and equips us in every way to bring in and bring on that which would be a burden without yeah. the Lord. But with the Lord, it becomes a load. Mm. So it's, it's the load that we're equipped to carry. So yes. when the spirit of yes. adoption is your you. co-laborer, gotcha. 
um, then it, it begins to play out in all of these ways. And I know we're talking about finances, and certainly, like, God can make a way everywhere. There's also, like, the practical. I mean, I don't want to, like, throw a damper on faith, but, like, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Like, it is expensive. Yeah. All that to say, um, the spirit of adoption does his work in every place. And as he does, it brings it brings a peace. It brings... Uh, assurance it brings direction and clarity mm. and it allows us in every place whether we're looking at a tiny baby that looks just like us yeah or um, an older child that looks nothing like you yeah. um, and is in fact a different color and I think that um, through that process when we say yes you can in all these places and yes this is a spirit of adoption that has like we have welcomed into our marriage into our lives or if you're single my gosh awesome right um then i believe and by the way can i just do a plug here yes there are young women who have been abused and young men that have been abused that like it is very important that it actually be a single person that like takes them in oh yeah wow and like it's I think I have, in the past couple of months, had a multiple um, conversations with um, women who are single yeah. that have, they have received that spirit of adoption and have yeah. agreed with the spirit of adoption and said, like, I, I see that I am called somewhere in here, but I just don't know if I can do this because I don't know if I'm enough. Right. Oh, absolutely you are. Yes. Like, when that, Ooh, when it comes, beautiful. it equips and it, it, it's, it doesn't come to frustrate. Yeah. You know, so, um, I have so many thoughts on this. I'm trying to, <laughs> like, make it make sense or at least uh, make it sound like it does. No, but, um, I, I want us to close with something that you were saying, um, off recording uh, when we first got together, but we were talking about, um, I was just explaining a little bit of the the feel of the podcast, and you're a friend of the show, so you already knew all this, Mm, but I was just saying that um, I love, even though we haven't been friends for very long, it was important to me to have you on because I love showing all friendships. I love showing, um, you know, the, the, 40-year-old friendship, yeah. the 30-year-old friendship. Yeah. I love showing the four-month-old friendship mm-hmm. because we ha- we that's true mm-hmm. of life. That's I right. mean, it's this is representative of, of how we enter into relationship with people. Right. And there are relationships that are effortless and there yeah. are relationships that require more of us, but they're all valuable. Yes. And I love the idea of tackling a topic um, with a certain woman and then that becoming relatable to all other women. So good. And you started talking about the idea of reconciliation. Yeah. And so will you repeat what that made you think of? I was when I was explaining that, what that yes. made you think of as far as reconciliation and crossing lines. Yes. Um I, I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> I know. Um, it was so perfect before. <laughs> Pressure's on, go. <laughs> it really wasn't that perfect. Um I don't know the last time I did anything perfect. <laughs> I just truly can't think of it. Um, I'm good at drinking a glass of champagne. Really <laughs> and letting the it words totally flow. disappears. Um, but um, yeah, so the thing about reconciliation is first and foremost, that was the work that Jesus did for us. Mm-hmm. We were reconciled to the Father through the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we are marked in that reconciliation. And so when that happens, it is complete and total in every single place in your life. And what I that's the thing I know to be true about the Lord. He like doesn't he doesn't forget to dot eyes and he doesn't forget yeah. to cross T's. And he won't leave things undone for you unless he's like just waiting to walk through it right <laughs> there with you. And I think that with reconciliation, you know, um, you and I were speaking about this, how like when God does that work in one place, it's actually connected to all the other places in your life. And when something's true with a capital T, it's like, it's true everywhere. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. And, and true with a capital T is the thing we just reach for. And like, I think that's like the hunger that we have. Right. Um, and it is to know. So, like, with reconciliation, like, I can't enter into being reconciled with, a, with a, between myself and a person of another ethnicity if I am not willing to be reconciled to a friend who either I don't have anything in common with anymore because I knew them 20 years ago mm-hmm. or because we've actually had a tiff. Yeah. Um, when we are called to, we, we want our souls to bless the Lord. 
And so when we enter into reconciliation, it has to be a complete and total work, just like his was. We are like running in stride with him by his power. And so like our goal in every single place of life is to become reconciler. And so as we are to follow Jesus, we are to become reconciler as he has. And one of the like the most holy places that we can enter in is laying down our agenda laying down our preference, laying down our convenience, laying down our pride, laying down our control and saying, this is actually way more important to me because it is implied in my life. Mm. It is the implication in my life that drives everything I do, whether it's adoption, whether it's um, getting to know someone of another ethnicity, another skin tone than yours. Um, I think that the blessing is that the Lord obviously doesn't leave us to do it ourselves and that he is pushing us all into a greater understanding of how complete and total his work is in us a reconciliation. Gosh, that is so beautiful. I'm sitting at your feet right now. Thank you, Krista, for this gorgeous conversation. I am so grateful for you in my life. I love you so much and I am always going to be your cheerleader. Oh, amen. What color pom-poms do you like? Um, I feel like they need to have sparkly gold things in them. Done. Done and done. I love you, Krista. Love you too, Allison. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi, Beefy. Hi, Beefy, Beef, Beef. Your favorite Chinese baby had quite a day today. I am so sad for him. Will you please tell the people, though, what we, our little inside joke and how it made him feel better, because that makes him so happy? Yes. So, Manny loves his Beefy. He was in urgent care today and he could not quit crying all day, totally inconsolable with a really high fever. So I took him in and the only thing that could even break like the continuous moan that had been happening since 6.15 a.m. was their Beefy and Manny have this little inside joke and she sent it in a video to him. And it's like this really serpenty moving tongue around. <laughs> real gross (laughs) and then a head bob and they do it to each other and they think it's real funny and it's just their thing if you come to a live recording you can see it in real life um okay so i guess what i just had i think what might be my favorite interview ever 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 oh my gosh why i mean what did you love about it um I, I really don't know so krista um my friend who is an adoptive mom And we just, I think we have a lot of really good personality chemistry. I love the way she talks though. She just has a really thick spirituality and I love how she loves people. And it was just, I loved this conversation. I'm sure you guys had a ton to talk about. Did y'all talk about China? I will never forget you being at my house the night before you left to go to China for two weeks to pick up your son that you had I mean, taking it a few steps back, I remember the day you sent me a text and it said, I think I saw our son today, it's gonna make me cry. And you sent me a picture of him and there was all this adrenaline for weeks and then some months. And then it was like this lull because it was such a process of Mm -hmm. paperwork and things to get to him. And then when you were physically going to him, you came to my house the night before, I'll never forget, like you, it was so much packing and you finally got to my house late and I was going to take you to the airport in the morning and remember you needed a baby Bjorn and you (laughs) forgot it. And like, that was the thing that was going to send you to the crazy place, (laughs) but we found a neighbor that had one. Um, But there was so much. left it on your doorstep in the middle of the night. Like, just so wonderful. The village was starting for Sweet Manny. But do you remember, like, there was so, we thought we were so prepared and had prayed over that trip so well. And there was just so much unexpected. 
Well, m m a lot of it is, we actually didn't talk about this in the interview, but a lot of it, well, a little bit, a lot of it was just my emotions. Like I felt like mm. hell, everyone kept asking, mm -hmm. I'm so excited. And I'm like, no, I am grieving. This is terrible. It, it, it definitely wasn't how I thought I was going to feel for sure. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot about that trip that I actually don't remember. I don't like mm -hmm. to like call it PTSD because some people really suffer with PTSD. And I think that it's, this is probably an exaggeration, but there's so much about the trip, the details just escape me. So the areas that I knew to be prayerful about, you know, whether that was attachment or grief or the complicated emotions of my biological children, I knew to be prayerful about those things. Mm -hmm. And it, the transitions weren't, weren't in those areas. Those things that we were worried about were fine. It was areas that we were unsuspecting that mm -hmm. seemed attacked when we got home. I mean, Seth and I had a really rough transition. Mm -hmm. I think that we both felt like rock stars. He had just parented four kids by himself <laughs> for two and a half weeks. And I had just adopted a baby internationally by myself for two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. And I think that we were both waiting for the accolades. <laughs> right. And we, you know, were not doling them out appropriately. And so our, our marriage kind of took a, whew, well, and always you take on every part of life so honestly and are so good about sharing the things that um, other people are nervous or embarrassed or scared to share. But y'all have been so honest about the blessings are so much easier to see, right? We can all see how well your family loves Manny and how well he has um, just stepped right in, at least from an outside perspective. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. And just no, fits true. so perfectly. But the thing, there's so many things that no one would ever see, but you guys choose to share that have been challenging. Um, and I just think that that's such a blessing to so many people that are in similar situations and are just too scared to talk about it and think that they're the only ones. Mm -hmm. Well, by the way, I credit you a lot with that because when you have um, a safe space to put something, it's like a test, you know, so I can say this, the awful thing, and then you can accept it without shock or without rejection. And then I can trust other people with it. And so I, there's something about having a good counselor and that might be like, I mean, like a real counselor that might be a real right, thing right. allows you to kind of try things out. And right. then you get to realize in a really safe space that honesty is good and that transparency is right. healing. And so I just think right. that you have been so critical to my mm. honesty process. So thank you. For speaking sure. of, speaking of yeah. um, honesty processes, this is a cute question from a listener. I thought it was endearing and, and I don't mean cute because it's not important. I just, I like her tone. Here's what she said. <laughs> she said, I have a feeling you two don't mind sharing personal information, but if this is out of line, please forgive me. Beefy, I have heard you talk about foster, but never adoption. Do you plan to adopt? If you do or don't, how did you make that decision? So I, this is not the first time I've gotten that question. And here's what I say. Um, we do not plan to adopt, but I'm a total liar. So don't listen to me because if you would have <laughs> asked me three and a half years ago, if we would have planned to foster, I would have said, absolutely not. So it's just not our call right now. And we feel really comfortable with that. Um, even though, I mean, I, I used to get that a lot more people would say, Oh my gosh, this is your foster baby. Is you all going to adopt her? And nope, that's not the plan. And, and there's a, there's a little little something you can see in somebody's eyes it's a their little eyebrows bit of, raise a four yeah yeah <laughs> it's a little bit like judgment but it, like none of these children have been up for adoption first of all but it's just not our call like we really really um are rooting for their families and so far there has been a family member that has been able to care for them and um and that has felt like the right thing but I haven't been faced with a situation where there's been someone in our home that we love that, you know, is not going to be reconciled with family. And so who knows? But right now, um, we just feel really lucky to be able to bridge the gap for the family. And, um, and we'll just continue to take it one day at a time. Yay. Thanks for answering. So honest, Beefy. I love doing this crazy life with you. We've said yes to some crazy things. I'll be right back and can't wait to see what's next. See ya.
Dear God, we need your wisdom. Our hearts long to love the children of this world, your children, in the most perfect way. God, you love adoption, so please answer this prayer to favor the adoption process. There are so many children in the world who do not have mothers and fathers. And there are so many men and women who do not have children. God, please bring them together. Orchestrate perfect matches and provide resources and give all parties endurance and strength through arduous details that adoption requires. Give everyone guidance and wisdom and patience for the changes that adoption brings. Strengthen relationships ahead of the coming gift. God, you love all of us in a way that we could never fully appreciate. Help us to strive to imitate that great love. And those of us who are not called to adoption, help us to intercede for families that are asking for provision and protection and perfect matches. Give us the wisdom to know how to step in to help other families carry their load. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And for this episode, a special thank you to Krista Merrill. Thank you to Pamela Anthony Cutright and Chen Redfield for music. Thank you to Kristen Kelly and Mary Bishop. For more of Mary's writing, head to madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com. Center Saint Sister now has a Patreon page. Please consider supporting Center Saint Sister by searching for Allison Sullivan on patreon.com. Many episodes are now only available for patrons. Send us your questions at centersaintsister at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Allison M. Sully. Don't forget to review, like, and subscribe, and tune in next week.